The Sloppy Sorting Hat is a podcast that includes adult language and content, as well as spoilers from your favorite TV shows, movies, and books. It is also a zero-budget production that may sometimes have weird audio quirks. You have been warned, and this is your last warning. Hello, and welcome to The Sloppy Sorting Hat. This is a podcast where we sort characters from our favorite movies, books, and TV shows into the Hogwarts houses. But because the hat and we are a little sloppy, we're most likely going to get it wrong. We've got games. We've got other games. We've got everything you need to make a podcast great. May the odds be ever in your favor. This episode, we'll be sorting 10 characters from the dystopian trilogy, The Hunger Games. But first, we need to get sloppy like Hamish. So, Danny, what do you have in store for us today? Ready, Fred? Ready, George? Awesome, sir. Expecto this segment to be a bit sloppy. We're going to try out the Patronus game today. I have a margarita made not with Patron, but that's okay. Each time we play, we'll discuss one actor from the Harry Potter series. So first, we should obviously discuss Daniel Radcliffe's Patronus. So I'm going to go with Wild Rabbit. First, he's a little cute and a little petite like a bunny. He had a bit of a wild sloppy streak during some of the Harry Potter filming in his teenage years. But like a rabbit, he has a large support system that he was able to go to for some help. I think his happiest memory is probably during a wild time with his large group of family and friends. So I think that he is a wild rabbit. Plus, he does fuck like a bunny. Yeah, probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I think his Patronus would be a dog. You gotta get specific, like what kind of dog? Like a mutt. <laughs> I don't think that's on the list of Patronuses, but okay, why? I don't know. I looked it up on Google and there's a picture with him walking like five million dogs. <laughs> <laughs> is your theory that he's walked so many dogs that he just like now feels like he is a dog? Or is it more like the memory of walking five million dogs is his happiest memory? He's just one with the dogs, I think. He's just one with the dogs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Google search. And I, and I do recommend all our listeners use Google. It's so easy. You go to google.com and you <laughs> put in what you're looking for and it finds it for you. It's amazing. So I'm going to search Daniel Radcliffe, 5 million dogs. Let's see what comes up on the image search. Yeah, that's a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's Daniel Radcliffe, and he is smoking, which is very cool. We all, we condone smoking on this podcast. No, we do and, not. <laughs> and not only is he walking so many dogs, he's not <laughs> holding a single leash. He has them all strapped to this fucking belt, and they're just like walking around in like his fucking entourage. I see it. It is quite strange. <laughs> and I agree that all of these dogs collectively leashed together like this, that's his Patronus. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I like that. <laughs> I have decided to switch to a million trillion dogs as, as Daniel Radcliffe's picture. I'm glad we're all on board now, thanks. <laughs> There's multiple pictures of him with this fucking leash belt. <laughs> There's people like looking at him like, that's Daniel Radcliffe with a terrible bull haircut. <laughs> It like looks like our cousin Eddie, the way he used to do his hair in the 90s, but he went and he spent $5,000 on the haircut instead of 10 That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much poop is in that belt with all those poop bags. Ew, yeah, you see them like, coming off them too. Well, anyway, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking the Land Grant Lonely Hops Club Simcoe Hazy Pale Ale, which is, I know, a shock I'm drinking a hazy IPA. Land Grant is a local brewery that I think I've had on the podcast before. I highly recommend it. They make amazing IPAs. I'm just drinking wine. I'm drinking a Pinot Grigio. I don't even know what brand it is. It's one of those like $5 bottles that I got at a gas station. So it's got out to gas stations. <laughs> Thanks for the wine. <laughs> While we are getting sloppy, let's play Oh Bloody Oh, bloody hell. All she wants to do is me. 
my lips again, chap. I am going to say segments from the Harry Potter books, and I'm going to beep out one of the words, and my sisters are going to have to tell me what that word is. And then for bonus points, they will have to tell me who said it and the book and potentially the chapter, and we'll get crazy and say the page number as well. Let's do it. At least I can get away from Percy at Hogwarts. Now he's accusing me of dripping on his photo of Penelope Clearwater. Ew. <laughs> so Danny will go first. Okay, I'm gonna go with blood. Wrong. <laughs> Pumpkin juice. Uh, closer, but not correct. Butterbeer? No. Is it just water? No, it starts with a T. A really good clue. Just thought I would point that out. <laughs> is it T? Yep, it is. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said it started with T, I was like, it's fucking T. God damn it. <laughs> All right, Danny. So do you know who said it? Ron? Yes. Good job. And what book do you think it's in? The Order of the Phoenix? Incorrect. Mish. The, oh, I get to steal? Danny, what did you say? Not telling. <laughs> I'm not telling. You had to be listening. Order of the Phoenix. Is it Prisoner of Azkaban? It is. Good Woo! job. Chapter five. Oh my God. Are you serious <laughs> right now? Page 62. Oh my God. So close. I was so afraid you're going to get that right. Page 69. Ooh, 69. <laughs> nice. So right now, Danny, you have two points because you got T and said by Ron. And Michelle, you have two points because you got Prisoner of Azkaban and Chapter 5. Somehow you got that right. So, <laughs> so it's two and two. Let me just say that handing out pictures at this stage of your career isn't sensible. Looks a tad big-headed, Harry, to be frank. There may well come a time when, like me, you'll need to keep a stack handy wherever you go, but I don't think you're quite there yet. <laughs> so, Michelle. I believe it's signed. It is. Ah, Good job. Lockhart said this. It's clearly in Chamber of Secrets. Probably pretty early. Chapter 3? Nope. Okay. Danny, go ahead. Which oh, I'm going to go with chapter 13. Nope. I feel like it was while he was in Hogwarts. So it was, but it's chapter 6, page 98. So we are at 2 to 5. Well, Ooh. at least I'm on the board, guys. For the last one. And Hermione, Victor Crumb, it's only you who acts like it's something disgusting, Ron. And that's because you've got about as much experience as a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Hopefully Danny doesn't know any of this. I'm going to go with snogged. Oh. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Goblet of Fire. Eh, oh no, it's Ginny. Yep, it is. It's in Half-Blood Prince. Yep. <laughs> and it is chapter 20. No. Ugh. Chapter 14. So it's fair to say that Michelle definitely won. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, keep All my right. bragging rights for another round of Oh Bloody Good job, Mish. Thank you. I am the best and we all know it. All right, okay. you guys ready to snort? The snort? Did you say snort? You guys ready to snort? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all All ready right. to snort? When I call your name, you will come forth. I shall place a sorting hat on your head and you will be sorted into your houses. Happy Hunger Games. We're drawing names like Effie and no one is safe. So Danny, who'd you draw first as tribute? I have Haymitch and I'm putting old sloppy Haymitch into Slytherin. So throughout the series, his main advice for kids going into the battle of the death is just stay alive. Like, thanks, dude. Super helpful. <laughs> He's had a lot of loss over the last 24 years, and that's something that would be hard for anyone to deal with. But he basically just gives up and becomes an alcoholic until he finally regains some ambition in the 74th Hunger Games to help his tributes. Well, one of them, he basically just throws PETA aside and becomes determined to save Katniss. 
And most notably, he lies and deceives and manipulates Katniss and Peeta during the third quarter quell. He keeps them in the dark for all the rebellion's plans. And then after basically pinky promising Katniss to keep Peeta safe, he just lets the Capitol steal him and saves Katniss. What a jerk. Yeah, God. <laughs> pinky promises are like number one, guys. I don't remember if there was any pinkies involved, but he definitely promised. Oh, there's definitely a lot of pinkies. <laughs> I'm totally on board with this. And I would say the only house I wouldn't put Hamish in is Gryffindor. Because even when he won his own games, he won them by basically like going out to the perimeter and just staying as far away from anybody else as possible until like it was like him and one other person left or whatever. So he's like definitely not Gryffindor. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree with Slytherin. I think, you know, with his drinking and stuff, he was very selfish in the beginning, although he did kind of redeem himself. But I, I don't like how he kept Katniss and Peeta out of the plan during the quarter quell. I mean, I understand why he did it, I guess, but I would have liked to know that information. I think things would have went better if they would have known. Totally. <laughs> the next character I have is Finnick, and I am going to sort him into Slytherin. And the reason for that is that this dude knows what he is working with, and he is working with a lot. Okay, a, <laughs> a lot. Okay, my dude is fine as hell. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like at work or cooking or whatever, and the thought of Finnick just pops into my head and randomly, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> And so the reason that he is in Slytherin is because he uses that to his advantage. When the capital forces him to basically be a prostitute, he doesn't take any of their money. He takes their secrets, which is cunning and vital to the eventual rebellion. Yeah, I, that's really I great definitely point. agree. Um, I do think that his hair is so big because he's definitely full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> definitely Slytherin behavior for sure. He definitely schemes with Haymitch to get Katniss to be in an alliance with him. And I agree. He's also super fine. <laughs> <laughs> also yeah. so sad that he dies one of the worst moments in the books for sure tragic yeah. so tragic and just how it happens too god and yeah. it sucks it's rough i am up and i'm going to sort joanna mason so i'm going to put joanna into hufflepuff <laughs> so joanna <laughs> so she shows some true dedication to herself and the victors during the quarter quell she says and does whatever she can to get the games called off and even joins hands with the other victors to show rebellion I would also like to touch on how she shows a lot of dedication to Katniss, even though Joanna doesn't even like Katniss. But I think it's just because, she, you know, with the rebellion, she just wants to be a part of it. She brings Beatty and Maris to Katniss because those are the ones that Katniss wants to be in an alliance with. Clearly, this is against Joanna's better judgment since she calls them nuts and bolts. And she's just willing to be a part of Beatty's plan, even though she thinks that it's all crazy. So even when Joanna was captured and tortured by the capital, she showed dedication and loyalty to the rebellion and Katniss by not giving them any information, even though she was soaked and then electrocuted, which is absolutely insane that she didn't give any information after that, because I probably would have just been like, nope, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, she calls her stylist an idiot for styling her as a tree because, you know, she's from District 7 and District 7 is lumber. And then she continues to say that she would like to put an axe through his face. And I just think that this shows fair play, which is a Hufflepuff <laughs> trait. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. I listen, I'll always take anyone into Hufflepuff, but I'm especially happy to to have Joanna because she's a badass with her pointy edges, but once you prove yourself to her and once you kind of become a part of her inner circle, then she's got a soft squishy heart. Oh, yeah, so squishy. <laughs> Except when she is in the elevator and she strips down naked and she's like toy and I I see that as a Gryffindor trait. I only think Gryffindors would probably strip down naked in an elevator with people. So. Yeah. So yeah. I'm in Gryffindor and I would definitely do that. 
Just <laughs> she has done that. I have. Actually, I have done that. So multiple times. You are right, Danny. <laughs> Gryffindors do that for sure. <laughs> I have Primrose Everdeen, and I think she is a tough little Hufflepuff. She's basically a full-time, hardworking farmer and nurse at the age of 14. She attends to Lady and makes goat cheese and milk and takes on a lot of responsibility as her mom's assistant healer. She's also in school. So this girl's essentially working three jobs and getting paid absolutely nothing. She deserves a two-week vacation to Hawaii. If Hawaii exists, I can't remember. I don't know what happened to Hawaii. I think it sank into the ocean. Okay, well, I really want to go to Hawaii, so I feel like Prem should go to Hawaii as well. I feel like in the Hunger Games universe, Hawaii has become an Atlanta situation where people aren't sure if it ever really existed and it's at the bottom of the ocean. Ah. That's my eerie theory for the Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) Well, eventually a volcano will erupt again and Hawaii will become another island. And then we'll get Prem on vacation there. Yes. So you put her in Hufflepuff, right? Yes, but I'm not done. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Shut up. She's also fiercely loyal. First, she's loyal to her mother after she basically becomes catatonic after their father dies. But also, she's so freaking loyal to that ugly cat Buttercup that she almost dies in District 13 saving him. To be fair, (laughs) cats are the best. So this really just shows how truly amazing Prim is and that she deserves to be in Hufflepuff. I think that this shows that you're in Slytherin because you just called a cat ugly. No, I was just quoting Katniss, who thinks it's the ugliest cat in the entire world. Right, but I just don't understand why we ever quote Katniss. <laughs> I do agree with the Hufflepuff because I think that she shows a lot of empathy. And I think empathy is a huge Hufflepuff trait, especially when she's treating Gale after being, what is it, like slashed or something by like Ugh, the, Gale. Just shows like her loyalty to Katniss to help him through that. And I agree with you with Hufflepuff. Prim is like, when I picture her, I think of her as like a fragile sort of little doll that needs protecting. And that's not true of the real Prim. And that's why Katniss loves her so much is not because she's a precious little doll she needs to protect, but because she's like a fierce, amazing person who she loves. But because we read the books from Katniss's perspective, I always put her on a pedestal almost, yeah, I think. I, but yeah. she really is gritty in, in there and like she's a nurse and, you know, doing hard work and, and doing what she can, even though she's so young for the people she cares about. She truly is a great character. Well, I'm up next with Cinna, and I am going to put Cinna into Slytherin. So does anyone else think it's kind of weird that Cinna is always doing shit and not actually telling Katniss what he's doing? Katniss never seems to care about this, but Cinna is always like putting secret shit in her clothes that's going to explode out when she twirls or <laughs> like drawing up costumes to make her the symbol of a rebellion that she doesn't even really even know about yet. I mean, like I have mad respect for his commitment to the revolution, but could he give his girl on fire a little heads up? <laughs> He's kind of a sneaky little fuck, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, and then he goes and gets himself killed. It's the worst. Gets himself killed before he can explain anything that he was thinking or his motivation or what he truly was going for. Like, just, he's a total goddamn mystery the whole time. And all it would take would be like, hey, Katniss, I really think it sucks for all y'all in the district and I'm trying to help you out. And here's why I'm putting secret shit in your clothes. But he just never has that conversation (laughs) with her. Yeah, I think it's super schemey. I think that, I mean, he obviously does it for a reason because he wants the capital to see her reaction when it happens to be more pure. <laughs> but I love the reasoning <laughs> that you came up yeah. with. <laughs> I'm up next. I'm going to sort Effie. I'm definitely going to sort Effie into Ravenclaw. So firstly, I want to do a shout out to Elizabeth Banks because I know she listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She does now that we shouted her out. But she did an incredible job playing this character. And yeah, just bravo to her. Effie is very smart. She starts off by being a capital snob and throughout the series ends up getting emotionally attached to her victors and to the rebellion. She quickly figures out that the capital is truly a load of trash. 
She is very clever and shows creativity by coming up with the idea that her, Katniss, and Peeta, and Hamish would all wear something gold to show that they are a team and sticking together. This ultimately helps Katniss to realize that Finnick is in her alliance because Hamish gives Finnick his bracelet. So really, Effie had a vital part in that. And she also does assist Senna in coming up with a Mockingjay suit. And I think that she's just very good at showing her creativity and her uniqueness and her interest in fashion with all of those bright pink wigs. I think in the capital, she's a Ravenclaw. I'll say that because I think that she definitely has spent enough time out in the districts that she's picked up a little bit more bite to her than your average capital person and truly knows Mm -hmm. how to devastatingly insult people from the districts. Yeah. (laughs) Like in such a cavalier, sort of sarcastic, dry way. So yeah, even though those of us who know that this system is fucked and it's bread and circuses and all that shit, we see Effie as kind of a dummy. I totally agree that in her world, she is a Ravenclaw. I agree. I especially agree with the fashion. She is very creative. I know everybody in the Capitol is creative, but I mean, she is just so pretty with all of her pretty wigs and her pretty clothes. And she's just pretty pretty. And she owns it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm up next with President Snow. And I think that Snow is an evil genius Ravenclaw. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) He's a perfectionist who believes in order over everything else. He wants everything his way and doesn't care about the costs. Most importantly, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear someone continuously poisons themselves to get away with murder, the first thing I think is that man is a genius. Yeah. (laughs) One million percent. (laughs) Obviously, he belongs to Ravenclaw. (laughs) I can't argue with that at all. (laughs) I really can't either. I do think that he's a very analytical, like really thoughtful on everything. Definitely shows some Ravenclaw traits for sure. And he ultimately goes down due to his own hubris, which many, many, many villains in pop culture do. So we can't hold that against his genius nature. True. (laughs) I was going to say we should call him President Cocaine. Because, <laughs> like, snow is a well-known slang word for cocaine. Mm-hmm. And also because he poisoned himself, which is basically, like, when you're doing cocaine, you're poisoning yourself. Oh, so. my God. Say cocaine one more time. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> One more time before I start with this next character, I want to remind all of our loyal listeners and first-time listeners that this is not a spoiler-free zone, okay? Here we go. <laughs> Fuck a Gail Hawthorne. <laughs> He's a whiny, petty, dangerously childish idiot. I hate this sister-murdering motherfucker so much, and I am sorting him into the only group where I believe he truly belongs, and that is the Death Eaters, the end. <laughs> I have no words. I agree. <laughs> yeah, even though I said the end, we can open it for discussion. I really don't have much to add. I think that's a great sorting. The Death Eaters. <laughs> Just put him right in there. He doesn't even need to go to Hogwarts. No, he's like LeBron. He didn't go to college first. He just went straight to the Death Eaters. I just think that that was absolutely perfect. I freaking hate Gail too. So yeah, Death Eater all the way. <laughs> yeah, see ya, Gail. And I know people who like Gail and they will argue that he didn't know what he was doing. There's no way for him to suspect that he was going to end up killing Prim. But I don't fucking buy that. I'm not saying he set out to kill her specifically, but he knew what his shit was capable of. He was a party to that bullshit at District 13 from the beginning. He totally believed you have to fight fire with fire. There's no way he didn't realize that his shit was going to be used that way. I don't buy that. 
Right, I agree. And I mean, he also blew up the nut in District 2, so <laughs> blew up the nut. <laughs> in the Harry Potter universe, he's like fully... God, I can't remember his goddamn name now. Johnny Depp. What's Johnny Depp's character? Oh, oh Grindelwald. Grindelwald. <laughs> he's fully a Grindelwald where he's like, it's all for the greater good. It doesn't matter who dies. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. It's all for the greater good. You can't remember Grindelwald. There's like movies. I know. I was so, I'm so fucking mad about Gail. Like, there's a whole movie about this. Fucker. I can't remember his name. I know that we just were talking about Gail, but we're going to talk about the best character in the world now, Peta Malark. So I'm actually putting Peta into Slytherin because it's clearly his wrong house, and that's the point of this podcast. Um, it was a bit painful <laughs> for me because I absolutely adore Peta. So I will be mainly talking about the good characteristics of Slytherin. I will like touch on a few bad Slytherin traits, but you know, it's still Peta, so that's fine. <laughs> I'll start with how resourceful he is. He did give that burnt bread to Katniss, knowing that her family was starving. He realized that he burned it. He would rather give it to Katniss than those pigs. So that was very nice of him. <laughs> Can I make a joke right here? What do you get when you cross the girl on fire with the boy with the bread? Ooh. Oh, burnt bread. <laughs> <laughs> True. Also, I would have accepted toast. <laughs> <laughs> He's also really good at using the elements around him to camouflage himself, which was extremely helpful during the Hunger Games. He has a lot of determination. It's super incredible, actually. Peta is put through so much and went up against so many odds, and he was very determined to not change the person that he was and also to keep Katniss safe. Even when he gets captured by the Capitol and they're putting Tracker Jacker Venom in him to manipulate his thoughts and making it seem like Katniss is trying to kill him, he's very determined to put those fake thoughts aside and realize what is real or not real. So it's pretty obvious when this kid is determined about something, he is going to do whatever it takes to get it done, even to the point of volunteering himself for the quarter quell so he can himself keep Katniss safe because I'm pretty sure he didn't trust Hamish to do it. So we talked about the good sides of Slytherin. I can talk a little bit about the bad sides of Slytherin. So Peta is extremely good with his words to the point of manipulation. He is an incredible public speaker and actually coined one to save Peta instead of Katniss because of this quality. He was extremely good at getting the people to like him so he could get sponsors. He's good at putting on this fake relationship with Katniss, even though he knows that Katniss doesn't have the same feelings towards him as he does towards her just to save her life. He tells the Capitol that Katniss is pregnant to get the games called off also tells the capital that he and Katniss already got married so very manipulative and that's definitely Slytherin traits he does show a little bit of a temper especially during the Hunger Games when Hamish won't stop drinking and he breaks his wine glass he also can sometimes be a bit desperate to be the leader and ends up failing for example the time he decided to take the lead through the jungle during the quarter quell and he ends up running right into the forest field and almost kills himself which I think is a stupid move he should just have let Katniss or Finnick take the lead I will say, side note, I love Peta. He's my favorite character in any movie or TV show or book series. I adore him. I think we all feel the same. I want to marry him. And I'm already married, but it's okay because my husband doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never know. Good point. Good point. I am actually newly single. So if you are of the male gender and you think you have the qualities of Peta Malark, just go ahead and get a hold of me. <laughs> or if you are Peta Malark. Yeah. So also shout out to Josh Hutchinson for being super gorgeous and playing Peta so perfectly. <laughs> I think it's Hutch it's Hutchinson. It's Hutcherson. It's Harrington. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. actually love Peta so much because of his manipulative skills. And that Amazing. makes sense because of your husband. That's true. That's true. <laughs> We're not gonna put Adam and Peta in the same category. <laughs> 
Oh, everybody thinks that Katniss doesn't need a man. And I don't think that PETA is really in the books to be Katniss's man. I really think he's there as his own character, just there to help. It's not about the love story. And so when people get mad that people are like, Team Gail or Team PETA, they're like, no, she doesn't need a man. We can still love PETA over Gail, guys. It's not like the end of the world that Katniss is a badass that doesn't need a man, but we can still like PETA. I totally agree with that. I love PETA. If you are PETA Malark or similar to PETA Malark, please slide into the DMs of Sloppy Sorting Hat and we'll get Amanda in touch with you. <laughs> Perfect. You have to say slither into the DMs. We have to say slither in. <laughs> Great point. Okay, I'm going to sort Katniss into Hufflepuff. She basically spends all her time working, kind of like her sister. She works hard at keeping food on the table, taking care of Prim, and taking down the Capitol. She doesn't do anything half-assed and always gives 110%. Her commitment to Prim and Pita is unmatched. Without question, she sacrifices herself for Prim and believes in Pita when no one else will. She will support her friends and family and even goes above and beyond for strangers no matter the cost. Even going so far as to getting shot in the chest because she believed the stupid people of District 2. Last but not least, she believes in justice and equality. The entire series, she is rebelling against the injustice of Panem and makes it her mission to end the Hunger Games and free the suffering people. So let's bring her on over to Hufflepuff. Let's bring her into Hufflepuff! I totally agree with this. And one of the main reasons is that I always related a lot to Katniss when I was reading the books. Primarily, that's because I'm a big sister and she's a big sister. And a lot of her motivation is her love for her sisters, which I can obviously relate to. (laughs) And I mean, Katniss has a lot of flaws. And I only really like characters who have a lot of flaws because it's human. That's part of the human condition. So I really love Katniss. And I always look at her and think like, I wish I could be like her. I hope I'm never in some kind of situation where you know, they're drawing one of your names for a death arena and be tested of would I sacrifice myself for you guys? But I'd like to think I would. And so I really, you know, have a lot of mad respect for her, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. There are many reasons why I don't like Katniss. And there are many reasons why I do like Katniss, which it makes for a really good character. I just know how she was in Mockingjay. The first half of the book was just really we're reading about how whiny and upset Katniss was. And okay, okay. she has PTSD. (laughs) No, 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 you're right. You guys are not let me finish but now that I'm thinking about it she has the right to have those emotions and she does handle it well she's a great character and she's a really good big sister to Prim ends up killing Coin in the end because she realizes that that whole scheme was based off of District 13 and not the Capitol I just don't like how she treats PETA I just get a little annoyed with that so I feel that but no when you're talking about her killing Coin the end of the series I actually think is really great because it diverts from that classic evil versus good dynamic that a lot of dystopian fiction has and is like, hey, District 13 has gone so far that they become just as bad as the Capitol in a lot of ways and neither side is good leadership for the remainder of the human race. You know, and the fact that Katniss recognizes that is amazing. I know. When you guys read that, was your mind blown? Like my mind was blown. I had to go back and read the previous chapter to really understand it. I mean, I could see it kind of developing, but I don't think I had the confidence that Katniss was going to be able to see it. It was just insane how crazy and really, you're right, how confident she was that she was like, oh, I'm not going to kill Snow. I'm going to kill a coin. And it was just mind blowing. Like, I love that point of the book. It was it was great. So I couldn't find any good mashups, but I have two amazing Hunger Games pickup lines to share. Sounds great. Well, number one, meeting you tonight proves that the odds must ever be in my favor. <laughs> Peter Millard came up and said that to me, you know, I'd be falling into bed. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Same. <laughs> I mean, we go actually find a bathroom stall at the bar we're at. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, and the second one. Will you be my escort? Because I'm down to Effie. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot take credit for those. I'm not that clever. But thank you, Google, for helping me out. Google.com's truly amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Google. Sponsor us. <laughs> Next up, we're getting mad with the Mad Eye Moody Libs. Are you barking mad? So for this game, what I do is I pull a passage from the Harry Potter books, and then we do a Mad Lib situation where I ask you guys to give me some verbs and nouns and adjectives and things like that. And then we see what we came up with. I went with a very intense monologue for this one, so we'll see how it turns out. Okay, first I need a verb. Juggle. <laughs> <laughs> she was ready for You're that. Another verb. Run. Seriously, the best you can come up with is run. <laughs> <laughs> a noun. Popsicle. Another noun. Basketball. An adjective. Kill. Is Kill? Adjective? Kill is not an adjective. No. Blue. <laughs> That's what you meant to say the whole time, I'm sure. Okay, a verb. Kill. <laughs> a verb. Jinx. A plural noun. Bigfoots. <laughs> no, that's is not it Bigfoots right. or big, big feet? feet? <laughs> big feet. Another verb. Um, Fly. Noun. Possum. A verb ending in ing. Sparkling. A noun. Loch Ness monster. <laughs> <laughs> Got a theme going on here. Uh, noun. Witch. An adjective ending in ed, if possible. Loved. A verb. Prance. A verb ending in ing. Bicycling. A noun. Catness. It's a noun, right? It's a proper noun. Arena. Okay. Arena. Yeah, that's Death good. arena. Death arena. One word, death arena. arena. Verb. Shoot. Verb ending in ing. Hunting. Plural noun. Arrows. A verb ending in ed. Cursed. And a noun. Reaper. So what I chose was Ron Weasley's speech when he leaves the tent in Deathly Hallows, what he says to Harry when he finally lets all of his frustration out. Love it. So here it is with your guys' choices. <laughs> All right, I'll juggle it out. Don't expect me to run up and down the popsicle because there's some blue damn basketball we've got to kill. Just jinx it to the list of big feet you don't fly. <laughs> it's not like I'm sparkling the possum of my Loch Ness monster here, you know? <laughs> With my witch loved and nothing to prance and bicycling in my death arena off every night. <laughs> I just shoot, you know, after we'd been hunting around a few arrows, we'd have cursed Reaper. <laughs> That didn't make much sense. Who's Reaper? Made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Amanda, real or not real? We're answering some listener questions today. Real. Well, then it's time to spill that Veritaserum. The time has come for answers. Have you brought the Veritaserum? This one is from yours truly, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think your love potion would smell like? So mine would smell like wine with a little bit of chocolate. And I think that I should probably add some green tea in that. So wine, chocolate, and green tea. <laughs> I would definitely say I would relate to Hermione in at least one aspect of hers and that I would smell books for sure. But parchment. I guess parchment is what she said, not books. But I love the smell of both new books and old books. And met my husband in college at OU. And so I think that, you know, we were young and it was kind of a party school. And so there was a lot of beer flowing. And I still love beer, but I have a lot of memories of drinking at Jackie O's with him. Okay. So books, but then also beer, which Hermione would never say. She does like butter beer. Guess for my love potion, I think it would smell a little bit like candy, maybe candy apples. 
because <laughs> I like fruit and I like candy. I think another one would be coffee because Adam and I like to drink coffee together. Just kidding. We just both drink coffee. And the last one would be spring flowers blooming because Adam and I got married in the spring and I absolutely love the springtime. Oh, You guys are the worst with your stupid husbands. <laughs> I mean, they don't listen to this podcast, so how great are they really? I don't know. I'll keep them around, though. Uh, And then we have another question from my friend Ginny, avid listener. If you could only watch one cartoon series for the rest of your lives, what would it be? Not related to Harry Potter or drinking, but, you know, I love cartoons, so let's answer it. I'm going to go with Rugrats. (laughs) (laughs) No specific reason, just because I grew up watching Rugrats and I have a lot of memories and it's a really great show. So, mind you, I haven't watched Rugrats in a very long time, so might as well start it over. The best cartoon of all time is Futurama. It is better than The Simpsons. I have arguments about this with my friend Jose, and he is wrong, and I am right. And so if I could only watch one cartoon for the rest of my life, it would be Futurama, and I wouldn't even be upset about it. Never even seen it. Well, then this friendship is over between you and I. <laughs> Good thing we're still sisters. We'll be, yeah, we're blood-related for life, but we're no longer friends. Do you remember that time that I asked you if you weren't sisters, if we would be friends, and you said no? <laughs> In fairness, I was like 16. I know, but it was so great. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time picking one because the only cartoon shows I currently watch are for toddlers. So do um, not say Dino. I swear to God. No, I kind of want to say Super Monsters though. I actually kind of enjoy that one. It's on Netflix. They have all kinds of cool monsters on there, and they all got <laughs> pets, and it's actually pretty adorable. Just because your son is my nephew, I've seen way more Super Monsters than I should ever have seen in my whole life. And this thing that just happened, where you said that, is one of the most compelling reasons for why maybe I might not ever have kids. <laughs> There's well, so least... many great animated shows out there, and you're like, oh, super monsters. <laughs> you're on a goddamn island, and you have a TV and a DVD player. You only have one cartoon, but you get to pick it, and you pick fucking super monsters, and they hand you 100 <laughs> DVDs of super monsters. I will say that I also watched it with you, and I like it, too. <laughs> Look, it's better than Dino. I'm not even saying it's bad. If I were two years old like Leo, I'd love that show, but Danny is an adult, and she picked her child's show to watch forever. I know, but do you do you guys remember watching that episode where they're getting their like pet? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, it was heartwarming, but I'm just saying. I was very worried about that one that didn't get his, his pet thing, and then he okay, got it. At the end. Though, but it's a kid's show, so you knew the writers were going to give him his goddamn pet by the end of the fucking movie. True, but I didn't know when. I didn't know what pet he was going to get. <laughs> All right, well, great question, Janine. That really sparked some debate. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our Hunger Games episode. Don't forget to like, rate, save, subscribe, or whatever you're supposed to do so you don't miss an episode. Please follow us on Instagram at sloppy.sorting.hat. If you have a suggestion on a movie, book, or TV show, we should sort. Let us know. Also, send us in questions. We always love hearing questions from you guys so we can answer them on the podcast. See you later, sloppy slops. Don't expect us to be too impressed. We just saw Finnick O'Dare in his underwear. You've got about as much charm as a dead slug. I still have nothing. I'm never going to have something. <laughs>